you're ready for the word today. Come on. God's word is good. Bow your heads with me one more time as we ask God to bless the word. Father, today we thank you for your word. It's life. Father, our opinions don't matter, but your word shapes and transforms us. God, I pray right now that you would deposit what you desire in us. Father, for those who are here that may not know you, may not be following you, watching online, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd appeal to us now, that you'd bring us into a conversation on Jesus, on his goodness, and how he is the answer for the world. We thank you that you are the hope for humanity, and we love you honor you. We thank you in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. If you're new to church, amen means I agree, so let it be. Uh, we're starting a new series today called Tables, Tables. And um, this is all about, there's two things that are important at tables. And I don't know about you, but it, you know, um, I, I, I come from the South, uh, born, raised in the South, and I have a, have a Southern Belle mama and um, who knows how to cook. I don't know, any, anybody out there got that action going? You know, just, yeah, that, that kind of deal. And um, one of the things, I could not eat a meal all day, but dinner, um, I'm gonna eat like a 500 pound man. And uh, my mom would have seven sides. When Amy married me, she looked at me and she said, I didn't realize you celebrated Thanksgiving in February. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, there's like 15 sides on the table. Like, what is going on? And I said, that's what we call dinner, honey. You know, she's like, I can't do that. And I'm like, I'm not asking you to. My mom is still alive and I will go to her house. No, I'm just playing. Um, but, but it was one of them deals, you know, because... Because it just is what it is. And um, so, so uh, that was a big deal for me. So at the table, there are two things that happened at our table for dinner. Uh, number one is diet. We ate. But number two is dialogue. We talked. And, and I want you to remember those two things. The table is useful for dialogue and diet. We're going to talk about that for the next three to four weeks here, just talking about diet and dialogue, because the table really represents an invitation to conversation. It's an invitation to conversation, and I think there are things that happen in this. Now, my dad um, decided to, when, when he still uh, does a lot in our house, Pastor Steve, he's our, he and Pastor Shane are our founding pastors, they still do a lot in our house spiritually, but one of the things that he started doing when he um, stepped out of the lead pastorate is he started working with wood and then he started making tables and he's made our table our kitchen table we have the most beautiful kitchen table silver maple uh it's a modern design he he did it all powder coated legs all the things and um we love it and he started making these tables and this is actually for another church a friend of mine's uh, church but he he said hey um i I'll bring this over so you could maybe show the congregation because um, I wanted to use it for an analogy. Um, he started working with wood and I said, Dad, what are some of the lessons that you learned from the table? From the table. Are you with me today? Uh, so I'm going to give you some lessons from a woodworker. Then we're going to dive into the actual text of what we're going to be working with today. There's two texts we're going to be working with today. Number one, uh, tables, you might not be able to notice this, but tables that have more than 8% moisture, no matter how much you work with them, will warp. They'll be no good. And so it doesn't matter how great they are. It doesn't matter the quality of the wood. You can get Brazilian teak. You can get whatever you want. They've got more than 8% moisture over time they will warp and your table will be ruined, which tells you that something unseen can affect the long-term the long stability of the table. 
Hear me. Something unseen can affect the long-term stability of the table. I might say it one more time just so that you get it. Something unseen can affect the long-term stability of the table. You might go, but there's 92% of the wood that's dry. Like, that's way more. But doesn't the Bible say it's the little foxes that spoil the vine? That little things undealt with, uh, almost unseen, can become problems and affect the long-term effect of what you're working with. Are you with me? So, So most of the table is dry. And it doesn't matter how much he works on the surface of that table. If it has a moisture reading higher than 8% in the heart of the wood, then it will warp over time and the whole product will be compromised. I just want you to get that in your spirit. For every inch of thickness, it takes one year for it to dry. One year for every inch of thickness which means that preparation takes a whole lot longer than actually building the table. That the preparation of the wood, the things that just seem like nothing is happening, are actually the most fundamental and important things for long-term stability and longevity of the table. Are you with me today on this? just want you to kind of hear what I'm, what I'm putting down. Number two... You can tell how a tree fell by looking at the cracks in the trunk. You can actually tell which way it fell and how it fell by looking at the cracks in the trunk, which when you work with the slab, you'll be able to discern. That's important because I love fruit, I love flowers, but those are on the ends of branches and limbs, and they're all attached to the trunk. So, so here's, here's where I'm going with this. If the base, if the trunk cracks, then it's usually only a matter of time before the tree will eventually fall. And a lot of times we look at the tops because the leaves are ultimately what make it fall. You go, how? Well, I don't know if you've ever seen a storm, but a lot of times dead trees, they don't blow. What catches the wind is the live trees and all of, the, all of the leaves, which puts stress on the trunk, which tells me that if your gifting is more fruitful than your character, then it will only be a matter of time before a storm strong enough exposes the weakness in the trunk, the base. We love to look up high, how high, how tall that tree is. Oh my goodness. But most people don't go, man, that tree has a massively thick base. And I want to tell you today that God is looking to have a conversation about how big the base is. About how strong the base is. Um, Something that I learned working with my dad, I've helped him with a couple of tables. And by help, I mean I do very little, but I talk a lot because he's somebody I talk to. But he'll tell me, be like, fill the holes in the wood. No matter what kind of wood, no matter what kind of slab, they all have holes in them. I'm like, why are we doing that? And he's, because damage can be repaired if you use the right material. And I want you to hear that as well. Damage can be repaired if you use the right 
material, if you use the right filler. If a hole isn't properly, properly sealed, then the crack can spread to the other parts of the slab. So you have to fill every single one. There's all these little holes. You've got to fill them, fill them, fill them. I mean, it's tedious, painstaking um, work, but it's worth it in the end. And here's one thing that I found really fascinating. In my table, my dad said, I'm going to use a nano coat. It's clear. You won't be able to see it, but it's as hard. It's almost as hard as a diamond. On the thickness, on, on the hardness scale, a diamond is a 10, nano coat's a 9. This nano coat material is a 9. You cannot see it, but it will seal that table. I'm like, Dad, you spent all these processes bringing out the beauty of the wood, bringing out the beauty of wood. I mean, over and over. You use wood, uh, water dropping processes to bring out the grain and all the things in the wood. And, and we're going we're gonna to nano coat it? He said, yeah, it'll be clear. So you'll still be able to see all of that beauty but it, it will be almost as hard as a diamond. And I went, you mean to tell me we're going to seal this wood with something that I can't see, but that will be as hard as, a, as one of the most naturally occurring objects on earth, a diamond. It'll be that hard. Diamond is one of the hardest naturally occurring objects on earth, something that's a gem. He said, yeah. And I started to think about this for a minute. The Holy Spirit is the unseen element in your life, yet he protects and guards the beauty of what God has built over time. The difficulty and the process that you've undergone through the loving hand and the wisdom of a heavenly father that has done some things, some difficult things at times, but has brought beauty out of your life, the beauty of the grain of your life. And if you don't seal that with the Holy Spirit, Paul said, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you, right? Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. He's the unseen, yet he's hard as a rock, man. He's impenetrable. And so my table is sealed with that. And so those are just a few lessons from the table. And, and, and I want to frame this in because there's a passage of Scripture where Joshua comes to a table. You won't think of it as a literal table, but if you've got your Bibles, you can go to Joshua chapter 9. Uh, our text is going to be there. I'm not going to read it all because it's a little lengthy, but Joshua has had two major victories. He's had the battle of Jericho, and that was like whomping success. He had, he, had a, he had a short failure with AI because somebody did something that they shouldn't have. That's a whole other sermon on how um, you're only as strong as the unity you possess. But, but then we go into AI. He eventually defeats the city of AI. So he's got two major victories in the promised land, and all of the other nations in the promised land are shaken in their boots. And so there's this tribe in, uh, the, called the Gibeonites, and the Gibeonites go, Go, there is no way we can defeat the people of God. I want you to think about that because that is exactly what the enemy says when he looks at us. A church that's in unity is an unstoppable church. Come on. There, the, uh, Satan is going, there's no way I can stop the people of God. I've got to try to deceive them. Hear me. I've got to try to deceive them. And so the Gibeonites do that. They say, hey, what, what Joshua did to Jericho and Ai, we got to resort to a ruse. So they went as a delegation with their donkeys loaded with worn out sacks, old wine skins, cracked and mended. The men wore patched sandals on their feet, old clothes. All their bread was moldy and old. They, it was dry. And they went to Joshua. Now they lived in the promised land. 
Joshua didn't know it. But they acted like they had come from a long way. And they went up to Joshua and they said, would you make a treaty with us? We don't live here, but we saw what you did to all these other nations and we're worried that you're gonna come to our territory. And the leaders of, of, of Israel said, how do we know you don't live around here? How do we know we don't live? And they said, no, no, no. Look at, look at our clothes. Look at our stuff. Look at all this. And, and the Bible actually says, I want you to hear this. The, in verse 14, the men of Israel sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. They sat at the table and said, what have you got for me? We'll, 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 we'll test it. But we didn't bother to ask God. Can I just tell you, when, when you can get some success and when you can resort and lean on your natural ability, that is when you are most vulnerable. Hear me. It is when you are most vulnerable because success teaches you to do the same thing again and again. But what should have happened, hear me now, they did not inquire of the Lord. Can I just say this? Make sure you do in your victories what you did before your victories. It's a lesson from the table. Make sure you do in your victories what you did before your victories. The Bible says that Israel would often forget. Deuteronomy 32, 8, 15. It says, O Jeshurun, which means upright one, Israel. They grew fat. They kicked, they got filled with food and became heavy and sleek. They abandoned the God who made them and rejected the rock, their savior. They forgot the God who gave them birth. Can I just tell you, they got successful and then they forgot. Are you with me? Psalm 78, 8 says, they were not faithful to him. They forgot him. Judges 3, 7, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. When they're in the promised land, they forgot the Lord their God and served Baal and Ashtoreth. Can I just tell you, they forgot, they forgot, they forgot. Even in the wilderness, after God had done all the plagues to get them out of Egypt, after he had made manna fall from the sky and they were tired of that food, tired of that diet, they said, can God spread a table? In the desert? Like we're so worn out by this and they spoke against God, the Bible says. So there's some lessons from the table. Number one, trust the chef. Say it with me. Say trust. Trust, trust is different than faith. It's different than faith. Faith is I believe that God can. Trust is I, tr is I know he's good even if he doesn't. Hear me. Hear me. The Israelites didn't like the food that God had provided when they went out of Egypt. The food of heaven, manna, the food of angels, the Bible calls it. They rejected the diet that God had given them. They rejected the diet that God had given them. See, God knows what's good for us. Hear me. There's a reason that he was feeding them the way that he was. They actually said, we would be better off in Egypt. What the what? You would be better off in slavery? You just got out of 400 years of slavery. 
Some of us would, and I just want to say this, when you come to the table, recognize that some of us have weaknesses like this. Some of us would rather be comfortable in captivity than stretched in liberty. Some of us would rather be comfortable in captivity than stretched in liberty. We got to trust God every day. We got to eat some things we don't like. We got to wander around for a little bit. Are you with me? Wouldn't it be better? We had leeks in, in Egypt. We had melons in Egypt. We had this in Egypt. They start naming all their, their diet. They start naming what Satan had provided for them to ensnare and captivate them. We like that diet. We like that food. But, but God's actually dropping food from heaven. What are you talking about right now? Are you with me? Hear me. You go, gosh, how could they get there? Well, I mean, they're in the desert. It's, it's easy to get people out of Egypt. It's hard to get Egypt out of people. Follow me? Number two, the, the same people that wondered if God could spread a table were the same people that wondered if he could take them into the promised land too, by the way. That's why they died in the desert and, their, and the next generation took over. Number two, faith changes the way that we see the menu. Hear me. Faith changes the way that we see the menu. I want to be really, 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 really head on with you on this. James 1 and 2. If you ever want it just like hard and fast, read James. He's, he's like blunt force trauma, right? He doesn't mix anything. He's the brother of the Lord. He's like, listen, I grew up with Jesus. I know who he was and I know what he did and I'm convinced and I'll just give it to you hard and fast. That's how it's gonna be. So he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith per produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He actually says, consider it pure joy consider it pure joy like well that that changes the way i see the menu because i don't like i don't like to face trials of many kinds but james is going no 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 enjoy it it's a diet it's doing something in you eat your spinach it's doing something in you enjoy your green beans it's doing something in you how's the broccoli it's doing something in you Brussels sprouts are amazing. It's right. It's doing something in you. Am I just saying all the things that I never ate as a kid? Okay. <laughs> Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt. See, when you see what's invisible, listen to what it says. He persevered because he saw who was invisible. Ooh, I leave the palace. I leave all the things. I already saw my reward and I saw the, him who will give me my reward. I know that salvation is coming and it ain't gonna come from these people. Are you with me today? So, so, so I consider what I see is of greater value than what they offer. It changes the way you see the menu. Our light and momentary troubles, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. Come on. 
Come on. I'm just seeing differently. The way that I see the menu, because I'm in faith, is completely different. So I know how to eat spinach a different way. I know how to eat broccoli a different way. I know how to eat Brussels sprouts a different way. Anybody out there today? God can bring provision to your less than ideal position. Trust me. He can do it. He knows how to do it. Every single time. And I'll just say this. Another lesson from the table. If it isn't on the menu, then it isn't for me and you. See what I did there? I know it's cheesy. I'm over 40 now, so it just happens. <laughs> if it's not on the menu, then it's not for me and you. There are some things that if God didn't put on the table, He never designed for you to have. Do you realize it says they did not inquire of the Lord. They, they, the Bible says Joshua inquired of the Lord ten times before this. And we're not even deep into Joshua. Ten times Joshua inquires of the Lord. This one time he does it, he makes a treaty with his enemies. Which means that he actually gives up part of his inheritance. The enemy is trying to make a treaty with you. He's trying to get you to say, listen, um, I know I can't beat you in a face-to-face fight, but if, but if we could just live and let live, hear me, and you can just kind of dabble in addiction, if you can just kind of dabble in lust, if you can just kind of dabble in selfishness, if you can just kind of dabble in these things, then, then, then you'll be okay. You'll, you'll live a little, I'll live a little, we'll be alright. Know that they will foot by foot, inch by inch, take your inheritance from you over time. It is never, it's not a treaty situation. It's a zero-sum game. It's if they win, you lose, and if you win, they lose, and you want to win. So he makes a treaty with people, and they are a constant snare to him. You cannot trust the menu of the enemy. All their food and bread was dry and moldy. That's a reality disguised as a truth. Can I just drop this on you for a minute? A lot of you are confused because you think that a reality is a truth. It's not. Just because something is real doesn't make it true. I got a lot of feelings that are completely real. It doesn't mean that they're true. Is anybody out there? I'm trying to get somebody free today. Hear me. Just because it's real does not make it true. The fact is the bread was moldy and old and dry. Sure. But that doesn't prove that they came from a long way off. Are you with me? Our perspective can be very real, but that also doesn't make it true. God said to a slave nation in Deuteronomy, the Lord will conquer your enemies. They'll attack you from one direction and flee from, seven, from you seven. They never fought with a weapon. That, that, listen, you'll lend to many nations and borrow from none. We don't have a homeland. You'll never need to borrow from anybody else. 
The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, above and not below. You'll be blessed in the county, blessed in the city, blessed in your uprising, blessed in your downsetting. That's the, that's the covenant that God made with a people that don't have anything. Their situation was real, but it wasn't true. Big difference. Some things can be facts, but not truths. You can be sick in your body, but God is your healer. Hear me. You can be a sinner, yet God called you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Fact, but not truth. I'm a sinner. Fact, but not truth. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All, all things have become new. All things have passed away. Trust what you hear from God and not what you see. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. They did not inquire, so they only looked at what they saw. Are you with me today? This is a table conversation. Joshua just went up to the table of the Gibeonites and decided to eat what they provided instead of what God had said. Hear me. Do you realize that King David, generations later, suffers a three-year famine because Israel stopped honoring. Hear me, this is powerful. Stopped honoring the covenant, a treaty that they had made with the Gibeonites. Saul killed them. And God punishes Israel for three years with a famine. You go, I mean, they weren't supposed to make a treaty with them anyway in the first place. But here's the deal. You are a representative of Christ on earth. And God will honor treaties that you make, even if he doesn't want you to make them. There's power in your oath. There's power in what you said. The Bible says Joshua made a treaty and sealed it by an oath. We will protect these people. I want you to hear that. That, that. that you have the power. God will honor what you make a treaty with. Even though he didn't call you to do it. Are you hearing me today? God didn't call you to speak death over your situation. But his word says that the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who hate it will also eat its fruit. It's a spiritual principle that God honors, regardless of what you do with it. Are you following me today, church? So you have to decide what you want to make a treaty with. They're all conversations around the table. They're all about diet and dialogue. What I eat and what I listen to. What I hear, what I say, and what, I, and, 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 and what I'm consuming. And, and I want to challenge you today that God has great things in store for your life. But if you don't know how to come to the table, there's all kinds of tables in Scripture. And as I close today, I'm going to give you some. There's the table of the presence of the Lord. There's the table of sacrifice. The table of inquiry. The table of temptation. The table of Jacob. The table of forgiveness. The table of Passover. The table of hospitality. There's the table of petition and the table of jealousy. Saul and David. The table of blessing. The table of confirmation. The table of confrontation with David and Nathan. There's the table of compromise with Nebuchadnezzar. There's the table of wisdom. The table of adoration. 
The table of betrayal with Judas and Jesus. There's the table of the Lord. There's the table of the kingdom. There's all kinds of tables in the scripture. God invites you to some of them. Others you're forced to sit at, but you don't have to eat. Didn't Daniel sit at Nebuchadnezzar's table but not eat? You have to decide what table you're going to be a part of. And if you find yourself at one that you don't want to be at, then you have to decide how you're going to interact. But I just want to encourage you, just because somebody made you sit at it, don't mean you've got to eat from it. I better close without you. Just because you're sitting at it don't mean you have to eat from it. Don't mean you have to engage in a dialogue that you shouldn't. So can I encourage you to speak faith? Can I encourage you as we go through this series to open your mind because God has a table for you. But don't, don't think that something is true just because it's real. Hear me. What was true is that was his enemy and God had already given Joshua victory over them. And God has already given you victory over every situation that you will encounter. The difference is, will you listen to the enemy and allow him to deceive you into letting him live in your backyard? I would say no. Can we say no, church? No. Oh, come on. Can we say heck no? Yes. Come on. Can we say that a little louder? Yes. Can you let hell hear that? a chance. I love you. You bow your heads with me today. Our prayer team is going to come. We always pray for anybody that has any need in this house. You might have had some of those conversations dealing with some things that are real but not true. I just want to help you get, get victory in those situations today. And if you're online, you're listening to us, you're in this building. I want you to hear that God has a promise for you. He's got victory for you. He set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And what does that mean? That means that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to pay a price that we couldn't for our sin on a cross. And he rose again, conquered death and hell, and came to receive abundant eternal life. In the South, I meet a lot of people that go, I believe in God, I believe in God. But there's a lot of people that have never actually surrendered their life to him, confessed him as Lord and Savior. Lord means master. And so today, I want to invite you to a different table. It's a table of salvation where Jesus is seated going, will you exchange your effort for my blood so that I can wash every sin away? Would you trust me with your life? So today, we're going to say a prayer. Our whole church is going to say it. It's the start of a relationship between you and Jesus. It's the forgiveness of sin, but it's also the surrender of your life to him. And in exchange for that, we get abundant and eternal life. Would you say this prayer with me today? And let's help somebody come into a relationship with Christ. Say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. I turn to you and I give you my life. Jesus, I thank you for paying a price I couldn't. I believe that you rose from the dead. And so I have abundant and eternal life. Today, I make you my Lord and my Savior. And I promise to serve you. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me a new start. 
say that prayer, you 